Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path After Party 45. Done. 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 I know. Can y'all believe it? 45. Y'all certainly like to listen to us ramble about nonsense quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm into like episode 130 of one of the podcasts I listen to, so I get it. (laughs) I am uh, on a ridiculous side note. I will yep, point the, out. Uh, one of the podcasts that I listened to, I recently finished episode 527. Oh, okay. 30 minutes wow. long each. Wow. Uh, well, <laughs> wow. the ones I listen to usually average about an hour, hour and 30 minutes. So. And I've gotten through the last 30 and I think the last month. So what I'm saying <laughs> is I appreciate all of our listeners out there listening to. That's what I'm hearing, that we appreciate all of our listeners yes, out there. Yes, we do appreciate yes. our listeners. Heck yeah, we do. After yeah. parties are total shenanigans time. But some people like shenanigans. I know I like shenanigans. I'm sure. a fan of shenanigans. Shenanigans. That's right. It's not just shenanigans, however. This is also where we get our behind the scenes. Yeah. This is true. And boy, howdy, do we have some stuff to go through. This is like the director and actor commentary of the podcast. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you know. And we've had some great episodes here. In fact, we have. This will be covering episodes 133, 134, and 135. So episode 133 was the resolution of the first fight in the entryway when, you know, we walked in and then were, quote unquote, surprised by the fact that we got into a fight immediately. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was like, really? Okay. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense that they would be patrolling the doorway and that we walked in with a bright light source because we need it. Of course we did, because we need to see. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just feel like Masika went Lilu Dallas multi-pass like the entire <laughs> time she was in here. Yeah, the Gershali Blue were definitely confused by our sudden thing of we have a the whole pass. pass. <laughs> <laughs> sure. But that didn't stop them from stabbing the crap out of us. Hey, at least they stopped. Yeah, and the other times we encountered them after that, they did not stab us. This time they only stabbed us because they were with cultists that were also stabbing us. Yeah. Hollis had a weapon out and swung at things. I hated it. (laughs) But Citra was so proud of you for stepping up and giving her the flank so she could kill them Uh, faster. uh. (laughs) Hollis will have nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. Citra will help you through them. This day has been a hard day for Hollis, to be fair. It's been a very long day. After going through, like, journeying for, like, a million episodes, it feels like, where, like, we're doing maybe one combat a day to suddenly have, like, a bunch lining up is like, oh, no, I've completely forgotten how to play through dungeon crawls. I feel like, I'm, you know, I'm going to save this until after we uh, we talk about the, the third of the episodes that we're talking about today. But remind me to revisit why this long day is still going to be quite a bit longer. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, oh, yes. after our first fight where we did manage to stop the Giratili Blue from putting Citra's insides on the outsides, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we ended up in the hallway where we decided we're going to pass some doors and try to stealthy stealth past all this and just get straight to Rubila. And that bit us in the butt. Did. Pretty uh, yeah, hard. That, that backfired spectacularly. Yeah, yeah it did. Because uh, we ended up getting attacked from three different directions. <laughs> it was a problem. Was it three? No, it was from all four directions. We got attacked was from it, all, four all four directions, just not all at and once. <laughs> if Hollis had not cast Mirror Image, she will be dead. 
D- uh, definitely, hundred percent. Yeah. Hollis needs to work on her AC. That's terrifying, Jessica. Well, even that it's that wizards. Low. If I had a twenty-three AC, I'd be hit most of the time. And I had twenty-five, I'd be hit most of the time. So, like, I'd be hit most of the time, regardless. That hurts me. We don't have second edition critical rules, so it's fine. Is it? Hollis has hit points. That's a whole different. Most thing. of the time, a Hollis is armored by distance. That is true. It's yes. true. You know, the only time that you've ever run into like serious problems have been like. Again, archers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who just hit Hollis nonstop. But now Hollis has Wall of Fire. That was helpful. F off, archer. That was that was a it was an interesting fight. I think uh, Citra got blinded three Hollis times at blinded. least. Hollis got <laughs> blinded. I think Sudi got blinded once. Yeah. You gotta pick up blind fight or something. Yeah, this is making me really want to get blind fight, and I I've never I've always been one of those ones. It's like I think it'd be cool to have blind fight, but I, it seems so situational. But this is like every fight I feel like I need blind fight. Yeah, so. and I uh, <laughs> I inadvertently cast the perfect spell for that fight. Oh yeah, with the, with the uh, electric orbs. Uh, yeah, just oh, crushing yeah. them. Yeah, that was actually really effective. I was I was gonna cast. I was like, do I want to do this one or do I want to do uh, call lightning? And I was like, I'll do this one because I can move them around and it's a mm. little bit more damage. And oh look, all of them are wearing metal armor. Take that penalty to your saving throws. Yeah. yeah. No, that was that was definitely helpful, and we did manage to fell all of them. And then ducked into a room and <laughs> patched up. Oh, you yep. managed to fill all of them in the following episode because we had yes. to end that one off. Oh, that, yeah. that, that is one true. Of the mid-fight episode breaks. Wild. I try to avoid starting a fight when I know I'm going to have to split it between two episodes. But you can't always like perfectly time a fight to either be beginning at the end of an episode or beginning at the beginning of another episode. Sometimes you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, halfway in. Sometimes you look out like the uh, fight you guys had against the Baycock where it was towards the end of the episode, but that fight was really snappy because no one felt their saves against the paralysis. (laughs) I did. Hey, it might have been snappy in a different way if we'd all failed. (laughs) I mean, that's true. That's true. It would have been very quick. And then we found like the bathing guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they were super chill because Masika walked in and was like. I have it's a hall all pass. good. <laughs> you know what? I, I do have something fun to talk about with that. Oh, gosh. Because you actually avoided two encounters in that room. What? Oh, really? And since that won't come up now, I find this kind of interesting to delve into. So uh, to read the entry for this, two Girtablilu mercenaries relax here, sweating out their stress before returning back to duty. But the mercenaries are not alone. Years ago, the cult of Ereshkigal summoned a guardian from this pool to help protect the Sphinx, a fiendish Mishtu. When the cultists died, the Mishu returned to the pool and has been dormant ever since. If any blood is shed in this room, the act of violence awakens the guardian, which bursts forth from the pool and attacks anyone not devoted to the worship of Reshkigal. Mishu has detect good as a constant spell-like ability and targets good aligned creatures first. Ouch! Oh, I'd be so dead. Fun. You'd be yeah, Citra would be it'd be going after Citra over me because I'm lawful neutral. Yeah, apparently it is an air elemental outsider. Hmm. A miasmal form roils as barbed tentacles emerge from a central mass coalescing into razor sharp talons and claws. Oh, cool. It has uh, all sorts of, it's like a cool deadly embrace thing where uh, cool, he says. if it pins an opponent, uh, 
completely surrounds that creature and deals uh, 1d2 constitution damage every round as it siphons away their blood, tears, and other vital fluids. Wow. Well, we certainly lucked out then with uh, yeah. all that. <laughs> but I, I found that idea, especially because uh, I remember looking at that and going, okay, before you guys even got to the uh, the Sightless Sphinx and going, oh, that would be an interesting encounter because you know, you start fighting and then blood goes out down there and this thing bursts out and it doesn't differentiate between mm. either side. And then it's like, we have to put aside our differences with the gear to Lilu and fight this thing. Hmm. <laughs> nope, no, we had a hall pass. Yep. So yeah, that was that was an encounter you guys avoided entirely. Sweet. What's Masika's nice. last name again? Of the Beckon. It's just of the Beckon. You don't have a last name. No. So no, it'd it's be just like of the Beckon, Masika yeah. Beckon Multipass. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hall pass. Ah, <laughs> uh, but since we did survive that fight, we did manage to uh, get another round of horrible directions that are just like that way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like how they're like, it's in the paw. Well, what direction? Oh, oh, that way. I'm like, yeah. you can't tell me take the first right and, you know, pass three doors hey, and take another it. right. Yeah. We I feel like they're the kind of people who just never give directions, so they're not really <laughs> yeah. like, like be, they don't really know how. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, if you had asked them from the first room, it would have been go west through that door and then through another door and then turn right, go north and turn left, turn left, turn left again, turn right, turn left, turn right turn left and you're there. Cool. And that's kind of difficult directions to just give some. <laughs> they Even though it's, a map. Yeah, they could have drawn a little map. That's because this place is built like a labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. Before we even uh, got into that room, though, with our hall pass, um, we actually tried to listen at some doors because we decided that, you know, we're not going to do that again. Um, yeah, and yeah. we did hear the crazy mutterings inside the room across from the bathhouse or bath spa day room. I don't know what we're calling that. Spa room. <laughs> And we decided, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that one. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we decided, and then we finally got to Rubila and uh, discovered that she's like the Klingon of Osirian, and mm-hmm. her idea of honor and our idea of honor were two very different things. It's true uh, because our arguments were not working to convince her. I thought about the argument the other day that we should have given probably, and it should have been something like, "Well, if they were truly deserving of." being in charge, they wouldn't need you to do their dirty work. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd have been a great one, yeah. Yeah. Still wouldn't have given you the bonus because uh, that would technically be insulting her, which I think is another one of the things that she would take that as an insult. Well, I could phrase it so I don't call it dirty work. So, what did we we need to do to give her, like, get a bonus? Just tell her all the bad things we've done? Yeah, that's, yeah, I'm kind of curious now what would work Uh, on her. You can attempt to influence Rubila however you wish. (laughs) The gear to Lilu is difficult to sway. Yeah, no kidding. She places a great deal of stock in her reputation, highly values honor and the glory of combat. PCs will have the most success by giving examples of their own honor, such as how they have uh, treated her nephew's body, or by trying to persuade Rubila that the Gear Lilu's reputation will suffer if uh, word gets out uh, that they'd served this evil cult. Shoot, their reputation's already kind of getting ruined by the cult. And the PCs take a minus uh, five penalty on the check to uh, reflect Rubila's stubbornness, pride, and reliance on a reputation. They gain a plus five bonus if they make a convincing argument regarding their own honor or return uh, her nephew's amulet to her. Ah, oh, we buried it. No, we buried Which, him with yeah, the amulet. Yeah, we buried. Unfortunately, you didn't make the knowledge check at that time to realize that that would be something that you would return to her family. 
Well, we, d- we didn't, you didn't we know, know because you didn't yeah, make the knowledge so we didn't check. Know, so we didn't you tried the knowledge check, you just failed the knowledge check. Yeah. It wasn't a failure on your part, it was the dice. Yeah. I'm shaking my it's fist. It was the dice's fault. Well, we managed to at least uh, get, get her to give us the deal. And I still think it's funny that it's not, it's like, go get rid of this annoying spirit, spirit that wants me to do a good thing. OMG. <laughs> so <laughs> annoying. To be fair, she is true sleep. neutral, so. Yeah. yeah. Well... We did manage to get the deal, so that's good. Mm-hmm. And then we debated a little bit on, okay, are we going to go after the ghosty ghost that is haunting her dreams, or are we going to go fight Hakatep's number two that she told us about? <laughs> I'm really glad we chose to do that because after we yeah. after the fight and we found out what the divining pool was we did mm-hmm. not need that jerk sneaking up on us while we were dealing with whatever the ancient evil which is probably the glabber zoo <laughs> is can you imagine fighting that and a glabber zoo at the same time uh, uh, yeah, yeah. we're doing bad times <laughs> i i mean i'm not gonna lie citra was was hesitant but i'm definitely glad we went and did that first especially because through her <clears throat> Impressive subterfuge. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> Impressive. Uh, <laughs> uh, we did find out about the vents and how that they were kind of listening in, and I thought that was it, it was probably the most Citra was going to get out of him. Let's be honest. I thought that he had you, <laughs> and then you pivoted to say, <laughs> "I heard a rumor that that is real messed up, and I don't want to go that way." And I was like, "Yeah, yes, that was that was yes. a grade A <laughs> yeah. like redirect. That was great." I am curious if it's more cultists or if there's somebody else hanging around outside of the bone forest. I think they said that that's where the cultists were camped out because it was the nicer area because it was the nicer tents and stuff. And that's why the Girtaliblu were over on the other side because they can't associate with one another. Well, and we haven't seen enough sleeping quarters to house, I assume, all of them because I assume it doesn't just take like, what, what are we up to? Almost a dozen yeah. So they probably have more than a dozen people. I don't know. I'd want to be on the cool, shady side of the Sphinx, not the part with the bone trees, but maybe that's just me. But I guess they didn't want to fight the Geertablilu over it. Maybe yep. not fight the so- Geertablilu, or, you know, it is a supernatural shadow that maybe they understand more about. Maybe it's got something else going on that they didn't want to have affect them, but they were like, oh, the gear to Blue, we'll let them, you know, have that sacrifice. Maybe something like that. That's where the Moftet lived, I thought, the, the shady side. I they, thought did. they did, too. But I'm, I'm talking about the cultists. Well, I know, but if there yeah, was something before. shady or weird about it, other than the fact yeah. that it's connected to the shadow plane. And that's probably <laughs> why the we fact that it's shady. And the Moftet <laughs> that are inside is probably why a lot of the cultists aren't staying inside because they might True. be attacked at any time. And we walked right past the place where the baby was, the bee baby. We did. Yep. Yep. In the first of the episodes that we're covering, the back in uh, 32, just walked right past that. We've got to go deal with Ghosty Lady to make sure the Gears of Lilu are on our side, but I don't know if we need to go after Bee Baby next or if we need to deal with Hakatep next. Bee Baby feels like on the way out. Mm. I don't want to carry know. a baby around. More importantly, we did fight this broken soul thing, which I've never heard of. Is that unique to this Holy book? Crap. Or is that, that uh, is, something that's in a bestiary? It is not. The broken soul is... So sad. Like, I felt bad for... Th- I'd feel uh, more... Bestiary four. I'd feel oh, more okay. bad for him if, you know, I didn't know that he was a cultist that was probably doing awful things. Well, and if it w- if he wasn't destroying us, too. Like, oh that guy God. was yeah. crazy strong. Yeah. That also, no offense fight. to him, but he, he was a little dense. Mm. I mean, I'm assuming that transformation was probably forced upon him by the by cult. By Hakatep, most likely. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll give you a small amount of information. This is meta information for your characters. It was not. 
It was a wow. very badly worded wish. Oh, I knew it! I knew it! Uh, Rathos was the second command of the uh, Forgotten Pharaoh, was demoted when he ran afoul of the Glabrazoo, who offered him a wish. He foolishly wished to be the strongest warrior for a hundred miles. Oh, gosh. Oops. The Glabrazoo granted the wish by transforming him into this pain-wracked mockery of a strong warrior, technically making him the physically strongest warrior in a hundred miles. Oh, man. That's why you don't get your wish from a Glabrazoo. Wow. So, yeah, you guys had a, an interesting follow-up fight. Uh, I was also going to mention one other thing because Jordan was talking about, uh, like, the sleeping arrangement. I think Jordan and Heather were both talking about that. I will point out that each of the rooms that you found where people could sleep in were 40 feet by 30 feet, and you found five of those rooms. Yeah, there's there plenty, plenty of room. plenty of living quarters inside of here. Uh, you haven't Weird. seen a lot of people, but you also know that the cult is covering the entirety of hundreds of miles of desert right now. So you don't know how many other patrols of cultists there are out there flying around on drakes or charming. <laughs> Take giants. I, mean, I have a feeling we're going to be fighting cultists throughout this whole adventure path. But I'm, a part of me is also like, oh, my God, can we can we stop with the cultist? And the it's because of the flashbang thing, really. Like, I'm OK with the exploding. Yeah. I made peace with that a long time ago, but the flashbangs are annoying. In this case, I don't think this would be a meta statement. You know that the cultists are in service to the forgotten pharaoh, the hybrid Hakatep Serethet. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're trying your best right now to cut off the head of the snake. So True, yeah. How many cultists will actually be left when you're done with this? How many of Maybe. them even know about the fragments of Hakatep? Maybe the second half of this AP or the last two books or whatever are... The body has a whole bunch of cultists. <laughs> oh, gosh. Another cult. I think I mentioned this a while back, but it's one of the interesting things that I found with this adventure path. And they talk about it in one of the forewords where this is a rare adventure path where it's kind of a trilogy. Hmm. Book one and two are really interconnected. That's basically yeah, the Wati arc. Yeah. And then books three and four have been entirely focused around tracking down Chisisek's body gaining this information directly confronting the cult because you didn't actually even fight the cult in the first two books. Mm. No, yep. they showed up. They didn't really Merit show there. Yeah. Yeah, you, you fought yeah, the, silver the chain. cult controlled silver chain, but you yeah. didn't really and you fought they Merit exploded. That's true. <laughs> uh, but they weren't really the primary antagonist because you were so busy trying to deal with uh Barefoot Man. Yep, barefoot Yeah, man. the Barefoot Man. Yep. I found it interesting that at the end of this is the end of book four that you're working your way towards right now, that book five and six are almost like a, another part of a trilogy. Hmm. It almost feels like it's three stories put into Divided. one story. That's, yeah. you know, you're making your arc. You're going into the Return of the Jedi. You're going to go out there in the desert. You're going to find some desert Ewoks. And <laughs> desert Ewoks. Desert oh Yoda that teaches the Force. <laughs> yeah, and then you have to take out the shield generator that's protecting the flying pyramid so that you can go yeah. up there and blow it Do up. Do we get speeder bikes? I want a speeder bike. <laughs> yeah, because controversial opinion. I know that, like, <laughs> a lot of people hated the Ewoks. But I also watched Return of the Jedi when I was like five. So I thought the Ewoks were the greatest thing in the world. And I still love Wicked and no one can convince me. I I love the Ewoks. When I was a little kid, my uncle got me an Ewok plushie and I still have it. And I used to carry it around with me so much that his arms almost came off. and My mom had to stitch his armpits back on. So, yes. (laughs) Wicked is the best, and I I love the third movie in the trilogy the best. I know a lot of people like, you know, the second one, but the third one is the best. Just wanted to throw that out there. So, yeah, and you guys did get to fight Rathos, which, uh, broken soul. That fight soul. was crazy. Uh, 
That was yeah. nuts. Like I was literally almost to the point of having to retreat because I couldn't have taken another round of yeah. that. Well, considering he got hit with a disintegrate mm-hmm. and a slight living, well, he passed and was still fort going. Saves. Well, yeah. Yeah, the problem is, is that you're you're slapping fort saves on something that's going to have a good fort. Yeah, yeah. but if Rick rolls low enough, it could it still work. Possible. He had a plus fifteen. Ooh. Yeah. Um, conversely, his reflex save was a plus five. Mm-hmm. Mm. A big old boy that's not getting out of the way of things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And his will save is a one. <laughs> Just yeah. a plus one. I mean, well, you did mention he was a bit dense. Yeah. Hollis doesn't do enchantment, which is mostly will yeah. saves. And I was saving my area effects, which are reflex for more oh, yeah. than one big monster. So yeah. I was like, well, yeah. let me buff Sudi. I remembered I had a water, uh, a, an elemental gem with water elemental in it and I that was my next turn was you know yeah. I'm just gonna pull this water elemental out and throw it in there eat some hit points or whatever but thankfully it went down I, I will say this senate board has been a freaking lifesaver yeah it's in nice these couple of episodes that I'm we've been inside this space yeah and we still have a few more thankfully because uh, I think we gonna need it yeah, you're just like we 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 should save four pieces for when you know we get to the <laughs> flying pyramid, <laughs> so that we can all play yep. and then jump into the flying pyramid with this buff. <sighs> we'll see if that happens. He, it's weird that he's he switched from doing the touch attacks because those touch attacks are so effective. Yeah, the fight against Rathos was uh, was interesting. Just to give you a tough. couple ideas of just to give you a bit of a rundown because I find him an interesting encounter. He's an eleventh level fighter, mm. on top of being wow. a broken soul. Okay. So he's a pretty great fighter. 27 AC, so pretty hard for even some of you to hit. Jordan was actually rolling quite well. To be I was to rolling him, so. really well that entire yeah. encounter set. You were buffed. Um, 150 hit points, so a good number I of compl- hit yeah. points. Damage reduction of five for everything. There's no way to Lovely. bypass it. It's just five. Humbling style pays off again. The uh, the thing that kind of got me was the, the touch attack is a... The fortitude safer is only a 19. Okay. But he went, okay, this person who's a spellcaster charged in and I hit her with it and she managed to resist it so an actual frontline fighter is not going to be subject to this well and can mm. he only do it once around it's not like he can it's do- a standard action yeah so I mean he technically gets more attacks if he just full out attacks and yeah, it's also true. it does 2d6 points of damage and it can take someone completely out of the fight if they fell but his attacks since he's power attacking are a bite for 1d8 plus 17 and two slams for 2d6 plus 17 mm. yeah with a 19 to 20 critical range on those slams and I guess he wasn't under like a heck of a lot of threat because like the thing I would have looked at it is I can do that days and put them on the ground and then I get an extra attack when they try to stand back up. But yeah, I, mean, I guess he wasn't also in a position where it's like he was really bad until like Citra just came in and was like walloped him for 30 points of damage. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's that problem where it requires that someone fails a save because yeah. otherwise it's I do I forego doing potentially 1d8 and 4d6 plus 51 points of damage if I hit with all three of my attacks to instead just go doink 2d6 points of damage yeah yeah makes sense I had a whole plan and it did not go to plan I was gonna use that last remaining cultist to siphon might and put it into Sudi but then I was like, well, what if he passes that fort save and then Sudi put him on the ground and I was like or Citra did whoever did and I was like well I know that this big guy is definitely not going to fail that fort save because it's a third level spell. 
And so I did it to myself. And I think it was a good call. But I was like, God, I hope there's not something behind that curtain that's going to hop I know. out. Like, I was, I was very scared concerning. for you. I don't know. Um, Rick had mentioned that through the curtain you could see a bed. So if there was somebody back there, we probably would have been able to see them. I don't know. It was it was a gamble, but I think it paid off. Yeah, it was cool. I got to buff Sudi, who got to hit things, which and is nice. And of course, I would fail the uh, the gaze attack on it and take a bunch of uh, stat drain. <laughs> well, just and I have I have a very good fort save. Like I was rocking a uh, a fourteen before I rolled. I just rolled like trash. Well, Masika has restoration as one of her as her once a day spell for whatever level that is. So, I mean, after we rest, I can get rid of the strength. Yeah, because I don't really care about the charisma as much. I mean, I, I may care about it depending on what this Glabrazoo can do, but it was very much like, my strength! My god! Yeah. It, it mostly just does death. Citra is uh, really missing her eye coal right now. Mm. Mm. I might have yeah. to... If we, if we get a chance to buy things again, I'm totally buy more of that. <laughs> if I get a d- enough downtime to make you an echolocation scroll, I'm going to make you one, and then I'll prepare a location tomorrow for myself, and then F it. We'll just see without seeing. We do what we want. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, that was that was the th- three roughest episodes we've had in a while, I think. It was wild. Uh, I let's mean, go yeah, ahead and... Uh... I, I do want to throw out one last thing before we move on. Okay. How much and you hate all of us and want our characters to die? What? Probably no, how much is left. All of you. <laughs> He's married to one of us. A little bit. I was going to say, he better love me. <laughs> I'm just saying that was a rough couple episodes and I, I you know, I, I feel It attacked. ain't even close to being over. <laughs> I want to challenge you. To be fair, it could be a hundred times worse if we had to fight every single one of the gear to Lilu. <laughs> like, just imagine. No, I just figured I would throw this out here and kind of gauge y'all's reaction on it. Uh-oh. And I don't consider this to be spoilery. Uh-oh. But it's it's a little bit of information you can kind of take away from this. You started in room K1 of the, uh, the tomb, okay. which is the entryway. You have explored up through K12 now. Woo! Dare I ask how many Ks to? are left? <laughs> it goes to K43. Oh my god! <laughs> um... I did not pace myself on these encounters. (laughs) Also, we're definitely going to have to rest. (laughs) We're going to find a closet somewhere and hide. We're going to sleep in that guy's room. Nobody's going to bother him. (laughs) Except maybe Hakatup. Maybe, but I think he was just shunted down here like F F off, scary guy. I was actually kind of hoping that we could just chill. Once we finished the ghost, we could chill with the gear to Lidlu. Because why would the cultists come bother them? But now they know about our plan. Yeah, I was like, yeah, uh, that kind of ruined yeah. that plan. So I was like, oh, okay, that's good. Says so you make allies with the gear to Lilu, and then you have a place where you can safely rest. I mean, but, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe you can go and talk to this ghost and nap there. Maybe there's like, like a secret pretty place cool they know ghost. about. <laughs> or the moth tet. Like, hey, you guys are crazy, but maybe we can. Uh, be chill. No, they're most definitely not yeah, going to be it. friends. After Rahi told us that story, I don't think that things are going to go well with the Moftet. Yeah. Do you need someone to babysit your bee baby? <laughs> I'm great <laughs> with bee baby. I'm really concerned that, that bee baby is going to be Glabrazoo food. Well, or okay, dead. so we get the bee baby and then Narmer babysits. Oh, God. If it's small enough that Narmer could put it inside of his uh, his chest cavity, that would be kind of ideal. We'd, we'd have to make sure he got rid of all the scorpions first. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, good point. Good point. I don't think spiders or uh, that uh, scorpions and uh, bees hey, play well together. I think Narmer would be a good babysitter. I don't know why y'all think that's such a horrible plan. He's so responsible. What? Okay, what is Narmer's wisdom? I'm actually really curious about this because now I'm. Na- th- th- I imagine child rearing, babysitting, that kind of thing it's comes like a from a wisdom five. stat. <laughs> I feel like it's survival. Narmer has a 13 wisdom. Thank you very wow. much. Wow, he's actually got a higher <laughs> one than Citra. <laughs> but he doesn't act like it, and that's what matters. Is Narmer's intelligence low then? Like, what is his bad stat? Like, he's got to have a bad stat, right? Narmer has a strength of 10, a dexterity of 14, a constitution of 10, an intelligence of 11, a wisdom of 13, and a charisma of 11 before his stats are altered by his magic items. Okay, all right. That makes, that makes more sense than... I expected his charisma to be higher. Not gonna I can, lie. I can take care of the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's like swarms of things, right? No. <laughs> there you go. Maybe a beast worm, I don't know. Anyway. Yes, the Narmer child rearing service is probably not the best idea. I feel like Narmer could be responsible if he had to be. I'm just saying. I've I just, seen have, I just have a hard time seeing Narmer take anything seriously, like for very long. So it's when, one of those like he might be good for an hour, but then he's gonna get bored and wanna just do something else. We'll see how long his scorpion lasts. <laughs> that's the yeah, that's the real that's the real thing right there. Yeah, because if he can't keep a scorpion alive, he sure as heck can't keep a baby alive. This is also, true. I definitely can't fit a baby inside of my chest cavity. <laughs> I will, actually I will remind you that I am approximately the size of a cat. <laughs> I don't know I how small that. bee babies are, man. They could be palm sized. You don't know. That is true. We don't know. I don't know. They didn't exactly anyway. give us specifications for this bee <laughs> so we could build a bee cage to put it in. I have a chest cavity of roughly the size of a thermos. And uh, from that wonderful point, I think we're going to move on to the emails. <laughs> yeah. We actually only have one email Aww, today. Y'all oh. need to email us. I know. You so, guys got to step it up, man. Send us mail to mail at at whatever. What is, mail at findthepathpodcast.com. Uh, we love to hear from you guys. Yeah. Um, we want to hear from you guys. But yes. we understand that it's a bit, you know, kind of an up and down year. So if you haven't had time to like sit down and type something out, we get it. What you know? Send us the electronic if mail. You, yeah, <laughs> if if you find yourself you know sitting on the couch and you got a little bit of downtime, whip out the old laptop and type us out a note. Or send us an hear. actual physical letter. Oh yeah, so a PO box. A that'd be extra fancy. Yeah. We do Address have a PO box, and uh, we will write you something physical back. I would yeah, anyway. Yeah. I actually have a stationery kit. Mm, mm. That makes sense. I have Slytherin <laughs> leather letterhead. I think we do have official Find the Path postcards. I, I actually have <laughs> some uh, Citra for personalized Citra personalized uh, stationery stationary. that I got from a fan. So I would totally right. write something back. Oh, okay. nice. Um, anyway, our email is from Larry from Honolulu. Hey, oh, oh nice man. Honolulu's cool. I know. I want to go to Hawaii so bad. So where's where's Honolulu in the world of Galarian? Hermia. Hermia. <laughs> sure. Hermia. Really? I don't. I don't know I don't if know. I want to put him in Hermia. Island Utopia. Uh, yeah, it's like an no, island. No, Island Utopia that hides genetic experimentation. I forgot about the, uh, the Hawaii's classic eugenics project. Yeah, come on, island nations that aren't full of pirates. Let's go. Let's go for Mindagati then. 
No, I said Maybe not Larry's that. Nice, That's full of assassins. Maybe Larry's a nice red mantis hanging out in the no, I think oh. the other one is better than that. <laughs> no, I'd go with the red mantis before I'd go with her Mia. I don't know. If you're well, cool Well, that's just because you like dark things. Fine. Well, no, I don't want some gold dragon going, you're not smart enough to get on my island and kick yeah, me out. Yeah, but if you're out. on there, it means you're but smart But we've already put there. him on the island, so he gets a pass. Oh, point out that Larry listens to find the path. Obviously, he's intelligent enough exactly. to live. Exactly. I'm talking me. about me. Let's go. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, uh, I mean, let's go know. with, uh, yeah, I think, I think Hermia's fine. Okay. Let's go with yeah. Promise. Uh, I believe I... Promise is the capital of Hermia. All right. Larry Sweet. from Promise in Hermia. Hello, find the pathers. I like that. Oh. That's that's fun. Find the pathers. I wanted to write and let you know that I'm working my way through Mummy's Mask. Mm-hmm. Just got to the Mummy Golem. Ooh, oh. you have fun with that. <laughs> we did. Did we? I wanted to write to let you know that I'm working my way through Mummy's Mask as part of my very boring job, and I love your podcast. Oh. Hey, well, thank, thank you. you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry your job is so boring, but I'm glad that it lets you listen to podcasts. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Man, I, I would not survive my job right now if I didn't have podcasts to listen to. <laughs> True. <laughs> Gotta get something to get me through the day. Question. What do you think is an underrated skill for a player or GM, either in the context of putting out a podcast or otherwise? Hopefully, Rick will allow me to specify that this question came to me while listening to your podcast and realizing that his easy-to-listen-to voice is a sneaky good <laughs> asset for a GM putting out dozens of hours of vocal recordings. Why, thank you, Larry. Oh, my that God. That got creepy. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, thank, thank you, Larry. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to say improv skills. Yeah, that's, oh, you what, that's what I yeah. was going to do, too. Yeah. You have to be able to roll like with it. on your toes, yeah. Yeah. Um, as, as demonstrated in the previous episode where yeah, Citra exactly. decided to do episode. some, you know, infiltration. I will say uh, it's, it is definitely a skill that you can build. So don't feel like if you don't have current improv skills that you will never. Um, it is something that you can practice with, with simple little fun exercises with people or yourself honestly well and um, i think it's something we've all gotten way better at if you yes. go back and listen to the beginning of mummy's masks to now i think we're yeah. all a way better at it so yeah so that that's my thing i think underrated skill is is improv people who can do that on the fly without practice bravo to you folk <laughs> i think another skill i don't know if it's a skill so much as a habit but uh Asking other people's characters about their characters, Mm, Um, like caring about the other characters' backstories and picking up on little clues and then like being like, hmm, I noticed that you did such and such thing like in character to like give them the opportunity to like expand on whatever it is because everybody has very complex detailed backstories in their head and they don't get a chance to talk about them unless the rest of the table provides the opportunity. Yep. Yeah, facilitating role play. That's it's that's, always important. That's a nice way yeah. to put it. Yes, yes. Yes. I would say honestly, it building a diverse and storied backstory is something that a lot of people may not put as much effort into as you would think. Um, a lot of people, especially when they're first starting out, are I want to build my character for now forward and they don't think about the the things that make your character do what they do that are in their in their past, and I know that yeah. even when I first started, I you know Rick started uh, asking us to write backstories, and I was like, man, I don't know, like um, he's a guy, he grew up in this town, and uh, you know he had a girlfriend once, like boom, you know, and like <laughs> ultimate comp- ultimate campaign really helps like flesh out like you know what you can do with uh, with your character, but it's always interesting to me that like now I'm 
sometimes sitting there going, instead of trying to make it up on the fly, like I've already got a backlog of things that I want to pull from. Like I've got anecdotes, I've got stories, I've got the kind of things that you you kind of organically do where you inter- you introduce parts of your backstory as just a part of the conversation. So if somebody asked me, you know, hey, do you want to go play tennis? I could be like, oh yeah, no, I totally played tennis in high school. I'd love to go play sometime, you know, instead of just having to be like, uh, what would my character say to that? Uh, do I want him to be able to play tennis? I don't really know. To kind of piggyback on that, I think that is easier as you start learning the setting too, because that was one of the biggest problems I had when we first started playing. Cause I'm like, I don't know anything about Galarian. I don't know, you know, what the quote unquote equivalencies are. I don't know the cultures. I don't know anything. So it was really hard for me to create a backstory, but as I've, you know, been playing for seven plus years now. Um, I definitely think that that's gotten easier. All right, Rick, you had something? Yeah. And this is something that I think it works really well for both recording games or games that aren't recorded. And it's something that I feel like I've gotten better with with the podcast. I think all of you have gotten better with as uh, as players because you facilitated as well, which is pacing and timing. Mm. Yeah, if you drag things out or belabor things too long, then it really slows down the game, if it's being recorded or not. And so knowing, okay, well, we've gotten to this point, let's not belabor a point or keep going over the discussion or we figured out a plan. And even if it's not necessarily the best plan, move forward with that. And it's great when the players reach a point where they do it themselves. It's not the game master going, okay, well, moving along, you know, okay, well, let's, Mm -hmm. let's move things forward. The players are instead just like, Boom, 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 boom. Okay, we spent five minutes. We've got a plan. Let's move forward with the plan. Uh, the converse is also true, or the reverse, I suppose, is also true, which is always allow your players time. If the players want to just sit there and have a role play session, let them do that. If some players are doing exactly what Jessica was saying, where it's I'm asking this other person about their backstory, don't go, okay, well, I'm tired of listening to my players talk to each other. So yeah, you walk into the next room and here's this thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so yeah. learning pacing, it's a, if you ever look at screenwriting, there's a lot of stuff that talks about it in screenwriting where there's like the 12 minute rule where it's, you have to have the inciting incident within the first 12 minutes, you know, basically the first 12 pages of your screenplay. Cause otherwise everyone goes, well, what the heck is the story about? Mm-hmm. Like, where am I getting this yeah. thing that happened? So a, a lot of times if you watch movies, it's amazing. It's the 12 to 15 minute mark is when you will really get that inciting incident that pulls you into the story. And if you don't, you will feel like this is a movie that has no purpose and isn't going anywhere. Probably an art yeah, film. Like, and I've seen yeah. that. I've seen that in a lot. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of indie film. films do weird stuff like that where I'm just like, what? I, I recently made Jordan watch uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's a weird movie. Oh. Holy cow. That's a weird Holy show. crap. Why? <laughs> it was interesting. Because it was based on a Greek tragedy. I don't know. It had Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell in it. I was like, I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> It was interesting. I watched the whole thing. Let's put it this way. That movie it has such bad acting intentionally that it's unsettling. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like a literally film. you're taking Colin Farrell, a fantastic actor, and making him deadpan things like his son dying to like, re- like it's disturbing. Like it made me physically uncomfortable to be sitting there watching it. <laughs> and that was the point. It's weird. So, yeah, just... Just pacing and, uh, you know, as I was just mentioning about screenplays and everything that feel free to kind of crib from other sources. That is true. Instead, you could you can actually look at resources on like there are a lot of parallels between novel writing and storytelling between Mm -hmm. 
screenplay writing and storytelling. Yep. It's just another format to tell a story by. Just in my case, I can be even more excessive than Peter Jackson because I can do this over the course of a hundred thousand hours. <laughs> or wow. many we were at. I was going to say, not being constrained oh by length is uh, is a double-edged sword because yeah. yeah, uh, we've I'm, definitely I'm, also done adventure paths where it's like we get into some book and we're like, what the heck is even going on here? Like, yeah. I don't even remember, man. <laughs> so... I don't know the exact time right now, but I'm pretty sure it's well over 200 hours that we've been doing Mummy's Mask. Probably. So. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, about an hour and a half an episode times 130, over 130 episodes. 135 yeah. episodes. I, I'm, we're probably at 200 at least. Yeah. 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 More so. if you count after parties. Yeah. So thanks for so, sticking with us. For yes. All this thank, thank you all for listening <laughs> to us be weirdos for over 200 hours <laughs> <laughs> all right well to uh wrap up his email larry says also very very curious as to where in galarian i'm from well you know now yeah um, <laughs> you're welcome <Enjoy> promise <laughs> thanks for playing and publishing larry from honolulu aka promise and hermia uh p.s huh. uh i hope this is the right email address it was oddly hard to find on your website and I'm not going to lie. I just went onto our website and I can't find it. What? So, wow. Yeah, that's because our contact page isn't listed on our menu for some reason. That's on me, y'all. Yeah. Oopsie so we're going to fix that. How sweet. Uh, <laughs> I'll fix it right now. Yeah, Jessica <laughs> is fixing it this very moment. But in case you need it Weird. now, it is mail at findthepathpodcast.com. In fact, by the time that you're listening to this, it, it will, will already be fixed. there. It will be. <laughs> Weird. We love hearing from our yeah. path folk. We love yep. the fact that you guys are sticking with us through all of this crazy, crazy COVID times. We hope you are all being happy and safe. And you know what? We're going to end this episode with some uh, deity casting because yep. that is Rachel's favorite thing to do. You <laughs> are sense. all wonderful people out there. And we appreciate every single last one of you. And every single last one of you can feel free to send us an email and let yes. us know what your thoughts are. And if I get literally hundreds of emails, then I guess we'll deal with that we, as we it will, comes. We will get we'll through, read through all of them. And as we know, writing in to find the path is worth a hero point. That is true. Yeah. true. I didn't say that what system, true. but it's worth a hero point. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What am I? What am I rolling for uh, for deity casting? All right. So go ahead and roll me a d8. D8. Six. Should be interesting. Okay. Uh -oh. So today we are going to be casting Suzuru, the Empress of Heaven. Oh. The okay. Empress of Heaven is worshipped across all of Tian Sha by people of all walks of life, from commoner to lord, farmer to samurai, human to dragon. She is revered as the ruler of the Tian Pantheon, respected as the finest samurai in heaven or Galarian, and honored as the patron of nature and emperors alike. Perhaps the most famous tell about her is that Shizuru and her lover, Sukio, the moon god, after Sukio was slain by his brother, Fumiyoshi, in a fit of jealousy, Shizuru brought the moon god back to life with the aid of Kuizong, the god of medicine. Sadly, Sukio was deeply affected by his experience with death, and although he and Shizuru still love one another, the event created a rift between them. Even so, on the days of an eclipse, they embrace as one. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and go with mine because I freaking love this actress. And the first thing I ever saw her in was uh, Memoirs of a Geisha, actually. But I think most people know her from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, Michelle Yeoh. 
And I hope I'm saying that correctly, but I love her. Anything she's in, she just brings a presence that is just, she commands a room. I just love her. Michelle Yeoh. Okay, cool. So uh, so, uh, a strong, bad lady, Ming-Na Wen, yo. Uh, yeah, it. I know. She, she right. was well. she was up there too, but I was like, somebody else is gonna save me. No win. <laughs> yeah, that, that's an obvious choice for sure. Yeah. So there you go. She is very cool, but I'm gonna go with Constance Wu. Yeah, from Crazy Rich Asians and Fresh Off the Boat. She plays the mom, Jessica. Yeah, I love her. She's fierce and feisty. She actually stands up to Michelle Yeoh in Crazy Rich Asians. This makes sense. <laughs> um, goodness. Probably just because I watched Alice in Borderland with Jess. Um, and I'm probably going to butcher the name of this. Uh, I would I would put forth uh, Tao Tushia. Anyway, uh, she plays um, Yusua Usagi. Mm, mm. And uh, she is a complete, like, you know, survivor, lots of honor. Like, she really embodies that whole, like, idea of the samurai. So I think that'd be really good. And she does a lot of great physicality in that too. She's doing like the wire fighting, like climbing and stuff. So it's really cool. Nice. I'm going to try to pronounce this correctly. And most people know that I have difficulty pronouncing English words. So uh, (laughs) Chiaki Kuriyama. Again, I just, I like her as an actress. Uh, I haven't seen her in a whole bunch of, uh, of American work. She was in Battle Royale. She didn't have a large role in that. Most people know her as a go-go from the first Kill Bill. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, okay. She can be fun and quirky, but also very intimidating. And so I I like that. I'm going to stick with mine anyway. Michelle Yeoh is pretty awesome. <laughs> Ming-Na Wen, yo. Ming-Na Wen, haven't we put her up for something? She yeah. hasn't won she didn't anything. Win. I checked. Best mm-hmm. Mara is what uh, I put her up for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, won. she would have been good for that, too. Yeah. I mean, Me, not win will get something because that that is one bad lady. She's <laughs> so true, cool. True, true, true. She's great yeah. in the Mandalorian. All right. Well, then we shall sign off. We will see you guys in the next couple episodes, the next after parties. If y'all just keep listening to us, because uh, we love y'all. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> hey, thank you all for listening. Yep. Bye, bad folk. Bye. Bye. Oh, why am I waving? Bye. (laughs) I I don't know why you're waving. (laughs) Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mommy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mommy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.